All right, I really didn't intend to make much of a big deal out of this trip. It really wasn't, actually, it's was just kind of boring, but um, sometimes you need to get away. And I thought about doing this, I had already thought about it last Sunday, and I considered making an announcement that I was just going to cancel everything last Sunday and then head out of town. Um, but I wanted to pray and I wanted to confirm that that, you know, that was something that the Lord was going to let me do or that he wanted me to do one way or the other. But the reason that I did that, it wasn't because, well, I'm just sick of being in Garland and I'm tired of, you know, doing church and this and that. It really had to do with the fact that 20 years ago, on the 19th, I went to Destin, Florida, actually Fort Walton Beach. That's the cheap side, right? Destin's like too expensive. And uh, spent a couple of days there and spent some time out on the beach, really, really opening my heart up to the Lord. And it was a, it was a, uh, a time of uh, renewal. It was a time of um, honesty. And it was a time of revelation from the Lord for me. And so I told you guys last week that I believe that God is, is doing something. I believe that uh, uh, we're moving into a different place. We're moving into a place where God is going to cause us to rise and shine uh, for the world. And I just wanted to get some clarity. And so I just kind of went there and, and got uh, by myself. Um, those of you that have been around me for any period of time know that I have this affinity for taking numbers and associating them with verses of scripture, right? We see numbers all the time, don't we? Numbers on the clock, we see just numbers are everywhere. We're just, we're in a digital world. And so there are numbers that are meaningful to me because that number references a particular scripture. It reminds me of it. By the way, I was just looking at this. Put the sermon on pause. Can you put it on pause for a second? All right. So uh, we had several birthdays and I didn't recognize two of them last week. Uh, Heather Reisinger, right here. And Pastor Craig, right here. Both had birthdays a week ago Friday. And it's a good thing that I'm doing it today because you were upstairs last week anyway, and I didn't get to do that. So wish them a happy belated birthday. And Josh Reisinger had a birthday. Was it yesterday? Yeah. The actual birthday? Yeah, that's what he said yesterday. So that's Tia. awesome. Tia. Tia's not here. <laughs> okay, are you watching, Tia? Are you watching? Happy birthday. All right. All right. But I, uh, I like associating scripture with numbers and then the numbers are more meaningful. And it's often, sometimes I'll just see a number and it kind of hits me and I'll think, hey, I'm gonna go around looking for a verse, see what matches that, right? But Monday was the 19th, that's 419, all the way through Saturday, which was the 24th. That references for me, Ephesians 419 through 24. And that's going to be the basis for our message today. I had several different directions to go, but this, uh, I think that this works really well uh, coming off of last week. When I say rise and shine, I don't just mean getting up in the morning, right? I don't just mean telling people that you're a Christian. It means that you're living a different kind of life. You're living a different quality of life. You see, that's the nature of eternal life. It's not just everlasting life. We're just going to keep on living and living and living and living and living and living and living. No, it's a quality of life. It's a God quality of life. What did Jesus say in John 14, 6? You know that verse? I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way. Here's my question. Are you living the Jesus way? Jesus also said that there are two roads. There's a broad road that leads to destruction, and most of the world is on that road. And there's a narrow road that leads to life, and very few find that road. But all the disciples of Jesus are on that narrow road. There's two ways. There's the way of the world, and there's the way of Jesus. So the question is, which way are you following? Which way are you taking? The world has a different way of operating, a different way of looking at things. Right now, uh, we're in a culture that I like to reference as an antichrist culture. It's just—it's not just non-Christian. Uh, it's not just secular, not religious. It is actively opposing the values of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not going to get into that today. I'm not going to focus on that because, as I've said before, I want you to know the real thing rather than me just stomping up and down up here and telling you everything that's wrong because you get that in the news every day. And what I hope is that you will pay attention to the Jesus way and then you will easily recognize the, the, the world's way and that you really need to avoid that. Okay, um, Ephesians is set up as a, a classic Paul letter is set up. The first half of it talks about theology, that is helping us understand who God is and who Jesus is. And then the second half of it is practical. How do we live that out? I, may, I have an entire message uh, that I could uh, teach regarding this. And uh, I encountered two terms that helped describe this that I uh, gave to our uh, Wednesday group, which by the way, all of you are invited to tune in online or to come and be a part of our Wednesday Bible study in First and Second Corinthians. I'm calling it God's dysfunctional people. But uh, one of the commentators that I referenced uh, looked at First Corinthians uh, chapter two, which talks about uh, the reality that God does offer wisdom to the mature. And he said, there's two ways of breaking down Christian teaching. He said, there is the kerygma, say kerygma. And that's the essential gospel message, that you're a sinner, that you're in need of a savior, that Jesus came to be that savior, that you owe a debt of death for your sin, and Jesus paid that debt on the cross. And then he rose from the dead to overcome that mortal enemy that we have, pardon the pun, and therefore, when we are in Christ, then we have eternal life. We have the ability to have the same resurrected bodily life that Jesus had. See, you all know that. I can tell because basically it's kind of putting you to sleep. But as the result of that knowledge, you live a different way. And that was called the Didache. Say Didache. In fact, there's, a, there's an old uh, writing called the Didache, and it was subtitled The Teaching of the Twelve Apostles. Um, it was not actually, it's not as old as the Twelve Apostles, but it's still very early. It's second century. And I read a significant portion out of that uh, in our Bible study on uh, Wednesday week ago. But the Didache is the way of Jesus. This is how you live your life out. This is the problem, friends. 
If you're in a church like this, a gospel-oriented church, a church that preaches the gospel, that tells you that Jesus died for your sins and that you need to have him in your life, you're familiar with that. You've got that. You, you probably believe that. But the question is, have you made the transfer over to the Jesus way of life where you are following his rule of life? That's what they used to call it, a rule of life. What is your rule of life? What is your way of life? Well, it's the Jesus way. Now, again, I have a whole teaching message uh, that uh, can unpack this, but I thought the best way to go about this was to look at Ephesians. And Ephesians chapter four is where we transition into from the theology, right? from the, the, the kerygma, right? The message about Jesus and who Jesus is and his death on the cross for us and what that means into the practical. Then what do you do with that? So I'm a Christian, now what? If you're gonna rise and shine, that means you're gonna have to be different than the dark world. You see, Let's just assume that you are uh, made of some sort of uh, reflective material. Let's just say your whole body is, you know, something just really, really shiny. And so when you walk around, you catch the light and it shines onto other people. And maybe other people don't have that shiny material, right? And they don't want to see that. So rather than being offensive to them, you just wear a big, long trench coat every time you go outside. When you're inside, you take off the trench coat and you shine, shine, shine in your home. But then when you go outside, it's like, wear that trench coat because I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to shine out too much. I'll hurt their eyes. I say shine out and let them avert their eyes. You and I need to rise and shine. But what does that mean? So that's a metaphor. Here's what it means. It means that you live the Jesus way. This is what the Apostle Paul said. This is Ephesians 4. I'm going to start in verse 17. And uh, then they're going to be able to follow me up on the screen right here. He's going to join me. That's verse 19. And we're going to get to that, right? But here's verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Now we join verse 19. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. That, however, verse 20, is not the way of life you learned. That's not how you learned Christ. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now I'm gonna stop there because now He's going to unpack what it means to put on the new self because it means that I'm going to have a different way of conducting myself. Personally, privately, publicly, I'm going to live differently. So we have different temperaments. Every parent in this room knows your child is born and you begin to see that they have a native temperament, right? There's certain things about them that even before they have a chance to really learn anything, it's just there. 
There are children that are more shy. There are children that are, uh, that are more bold, and it's just kind of a natural thing. There are children that are more aggressive. There are children that are more passive, and it's just kind of the way they are. Now, shy or bold, passive or aggressive, th these things are not bad, but it's as they begin to take on qualities or characteristics in their personality through the process of making choices, and they do start making choices rather early. That's when that temperament becomes uh, the focus of something that is increasingly sinful or it is focused on Christ and he brings out what he created that person to be. That's you and I. So there are people who would say, well, you know, this God just made me this way. I just want to fight all the time, right? I'm Irish. We fight. What do we say? All right. And the reality is you can be a fighter, but that doesn't mean that you have to beat people up. That doesn't mean that you have to uh, to be abusive to other people. It doesn't even mean you have to be domineering all the time. Maybe God made you to be a fighter so that you would fight for Christ, amen? Yeah. So that you would stand up against an antichrist culture. You see what I'm saying about this? So now Paul, he has said, you need to put off the old self. You have a natural person. That is you without Jesus, right? That's what uh, is often translated uh, or, or the word that uh, is associated with that in Greek is the word Greek is the word sarx, and it is often translated flesh, the flesh. But we think of that as well. That's my skin. No, 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 no. It's a much, much bigger term than that, and it really means the natural person without God. You in the natural, and you and I in the natural are fallen human beings, and as the result, we sin. We fall short of the glory of God. We fall short of his intent. We fall short of his design. Every choice I make is ultimately wrong if I'm not in Christ. Even when I'm trying to do the very best that I can do, I'm still not choosing what I need to choose because I'm falling short. I'm not in faith. I'm not in Christ, not fulfilling my reason for existence. So, I take off the old self. I have to look at all of these old issues, these attitudes, this language, you know, things that I, that I chose to do, that I took on, these old habits and addictions and these sorts of things. And I need to just see that as a complex that adds up to the old me, the me without God. But if I'm in Christ, I'm not without God, am I? Am I? No. By definition, if I'm in Christ, I'm with God. And as the result, I've said Jesus is Lord, so I have placed him above my desires, above my will, above my natural tendencies and proclivities and, and whatever else, uh, whatever other term you want to use. And I submit myself and surrender myself to Christ because my new life, according to Colossians, which by the way is a companion to Ephesians. They were written by Paul at the same time. Um, my new life is now hidden with Christ in God. That's the, that's the real me, that's the new me. And so instead of looking deep into myself and saying, well, how do I feel about this issue? What do I think? Stop talking to yourself and start talking to the Lord, amen? Because he has the blueprint for who you are. It's kind of like I see some of these, you know, you, you saw I took a, couple, a picture of a couple of the 
churches that are down there. And I noticed there's a lot of uh, really cool older buildings down there. And some of them are being refurbished and they're turning them into to different things. Um, but, you know, what happens with older buildings Different owners have had them for periods of time and they've done different things to them. This building is a good example. This is an old building. It was built in 1897. So look at the wall to my right and to your left and you will see a wall that is representative of a later addition to this building, right? The upper part of the wall has, uh, uh, I guess you would call it stucco over the brick and it's painted. And then the lower part of the wall was added, I think when the, the Garland Opry came in here and they added all of this woodwork and, and uh, this sheetrock and so forth that's painted red here, right? So there's an addition, addition up here, an addition down here. But if you look over to your right or to my left, you see the plain bare brick wall the way it was originally built because they took all that, that, that stucco like this was on this wall. You can see fragments of it. If you go upstairs where the kids are, you see the same thing. In fact, they started chipping it off and like true Texans, they chipped it off and it started looking like the shape of the state of Texas. Y'all are obsessed with that shape. And so they're like, hey, that's awesome. Let's just leave it that way. So now we have the state of Texas up there with the brick behind it and it's super cool looking. But what you see up there is uh, one period of time where the brick was original and a later period of time where they added something to it. Well, sometimes the structure of a building may get altered as the result of these changes. And so they have to go back to the original design and the original blueprints and say, wait a minute, can we do that to this building and it maintain its structural integrity? Uh, you know, what are, what are we going to be able to do and not do so that we don't wreck the building? You see, the thing is, we do this and the world does this to us all the time. We, we stucco over what God has designed. And when we come to Christ, he wants to get back down to that original design. Amen. And he's the one with the blueprint and he's the one that's, that has what it originally looked like. The front of this building is, is another uh, example of that. If you see older pictures and then you see intermediate pictures, you'll see that the front of this building looks different at different periods of time. And when they came in and did the most uh, recent upgrade to the building, they went back and they revealed those columns, those gray, they're painted gray right now, columns that are out there. And different older buildings down here are just like that. I've gone into this extended illustration about buildings because I want you to know that that's, that's what you are. And God has a design for you but the design for you is not in you. It's with him. Amen. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So if you're going to understand yourself, you have to look at Jesus. You need to stop looking inside. Your heart is desperately sick. Who can know it? I'm not putting my finger at you. That's Jeremiah 17. We have to have our heart renewed. We need to look in the face of Christ if we want to see who we really are. If you really want to shine, you're going to reflect Jesus, right? And the beauty is, you know, I gave the kids all those different shells. Those shells had different patterns. They were different colors. They were different shapes. They were different sizes. But the reality is all of us collectively are the body of Christ and we're different than each other. But if you know anything about your own physical body, 
you know that you have cells in your body that make up everything, right? You have bone cells and blood cells and muscle cells and nerve cells and, right? They're different cells and they're located in different places in your body, right? In my feet and in my elbows and my ears, and my eyes. But in each one of those cells is the same DNA. Did you know that? Every cell in your body has your DNA, every single one. So if you really knew what you were doing, we could rebuild you from one cell. We could take a hair and we could say, oh, that's you. All of you is in that DNA, in your thumbnail, in your knee, in your tooth. It's there. It's you. For the body of Christ, Christ's DNA is in every single cell. You are like one of those cells. I am like one of those cells located in different places geographically, let's say. Let's use that as the, the illustration, right? We have the body of Christ is all over the world in different parts of the world. I'm reading a book by, right now that I really highly recommend. It's called uh, Fractured and it is by Vadi Bakum Jr. And he is a, uh, he's a, a brilliant guy. He was a speaker and uh, a professor and a preacher and all these different things in the United States. And now he is heading up a, uh, a college in Zambia, in Africa. And he's training Christians in Zambia. And he talks about the Christians over there and he talks about people over here. And you see, the interesting thing is, that's completely on the other side of the globe, different continent, different culture, all of that, still believers, still Jesus people, right? And so that's what we are. We're the cells of the body of Christ. We're located in different places. But you know what? The same Christ DNA is in those Zambian Christians as is in you. Same DNA. So... Your DNA is what makes you who and what you are. You have the DNA of Jesus in you. And if you will follow the Jesus way, if you will allow the indwelling spirit of God to express himself in you, it's not about gutting it out and trying to keep the rules. So I'm, I, I, I'm not going to comment on this passage. I am going to read this extended passage because it preaches for itself, right? But you need to put on this new life by allowing Christ to live his way of life through you. You don't have to wear a bracelet that says WWJD on it. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What would Jesus do in this situation? Uh, I, I, I don't know. Lord, what would you do? If you follow Jesus in your moment by moment, day by day life, if you are praying without ceasing, instead of talking to yourself, you're talking to the Lord. You say, I don't talk to myself. Yes, you do. Everybody does. And it doesn't mean you're crazy. You're only crazy when you start answering yourself. <laughs> we all talk to ourselves. It's called sub-vocalization, right? Some people are louder about it than others. I have been known to be rather loud about it. Gotten myself in trouble. We won't get into that illustration. It'll take too long. But the reality is you open yourself up to that and you let Christ live this life through you. But you have to identify with him. That's what it means to put on the new self. Literally, the new man, okay? But it's not a gender-related term. So self is a better translation uh, for our time, right? Put on the new self, 
which, which is created to be like Christ. Listen, listen to exactly what it says here again. You were taught with regard to your former way of life. That's the world's way to put off your old self. So the first thing you have to do is stop thinking the way you used to think. That's part of repentance. That's part A of repentance. That's the turning away from part of repentance, okay? Put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new, how? In the attitude of your mind, you have to think differently. Now there's another way of understanding repentance. It's, there's another word in Greek. There's one word that means literally to turn, to turn your back on sin, to turn yourself to face Christ. You make a 180 degree turn. That's a word for repentance. There's another word that means to change your mind, to change your thinking. You have to think differently than the world, which means you need to be careful what you read. You need to be careful what messages you allow to come in through these eye gates and these ear gates. You really, really do. Because the world is lying and the devil is in charge and he is a good liar. This isn't about the right or the left because both have issues. This is about listening to and following Jesus. This is about paying attention to the word of God. Pastor Craig, when he was in seminary uh, a couple years back, was talking about professors that he had that said that they thought that it was important to bring an actual physical copy, paper copy of the, of the scripture up there. And at that point in time, I was like, well, I understand that, but eh. no, I'm coming to see that they were, they were dead on. You need to understand that there's something here, okay? Now, you need to hide it in your heart. And it's easy for me to bring it up on my phone, but the phone doesn't represent the Word of God to you, does it? That's not the symbol, right? The Word of God, my iPhone. <laughs> well, I can bring it up on here, and it's, it's a marvelous tool, but you know that this is a Bible. So increasingly, I have started again to bring the physical copy of the Scripture up here because I want you to understand you need to be in this Word more than you are in anything else. We watch too many movies that lead our thinking away from Christ. We listen to too much music that is entertainment from the world, that is actually each, either surreptitiously under the radar bringing evil messages into our heart and mind, or just blatantly, just blatantly. Look at popular music. I'm telling you, I use these different services, right? I've got YouTube music, I've got Spotify, I've got Apple music. And they all want to push this garbage at you. No, 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 you need to listen to this new person. This, no, 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 I don't want to listen to any of them. None of them. I don't want that in my mind, right? Any more than I want to go running through a sewage treatment plant. You know what? Any of you, have you, any of you been to the dump or the transfer station recently? Do you know what the transfer station is? You can put stuff in the back of your truck, and if you can show that you have a, a Garland address, then you can just drive up in here. The guy lets you in. And I mean, you're not even too far from this place, and the odor just wham hits you in the face, okay? So what happens is all of the, the uh, trash trucks that go around and pick up your trash go to the transfer station, and they dump it in there. And then it gets taken to the landfill, I guess, from there, right? 
So you're allowed to do that. It's great. It's very, it's very helpful. But you know, I don't have to play in the garbage down there to smell like that. My truck smells like that, like for a half an hour or an hour after I leave, I have to roll all the windows down. Somehow that stink has gotten all over everything. And I'm only there for like 10 minutes. Have you figured out what I'm saying right now? That's the world. But some of us are like, you, what you do is you, you back up to this, you know, they, the guy points out a space, you back up to it, you put your, your pickup bed, uh, lid down, bed down, and you shove stuff off into this little hole down there, right? And then there's a, a little guy down there with a bulldozer that's a and he's like plowing up all the trash. And so I don't have to jump down in there and say, whoo! I'm in the trash. I'm in the trash. I'm looking for some trash. I got some trash to check out. No, I don't have to get down there. I, I can just be up on the surface and I smell like that. But some of us are playing in the trash. We just let that stuff into our eyes and into our ears and into our lives and we just eat it. We're filling up with it. And then we wonder why it's so hard to live the Christian life. I don't want to hear that baloney. It's not hard to live the, the Christian life. It's hard to live life, period. But Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How does that sound hard to you? He said, he said take my yoke upon you. The problem is we're carrying the world's yoke and we're trying to do it for Jesus or we're trying to get Jesus to bless us in what we're doing. And that's not the way it works. So I'm going to conclude this message with this extended reading, and I want you to pay attention because this is the Word of God. This is what the Scripture teaches. This is what the Apostle Paul said. So he concludes with, put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, this is how you do that. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Chapter 5, verse 1. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes to those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. 
For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes light. That's you. You become light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. That means a wasted life. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God, to the God and Father, to God the Father, excuse me, for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then it talks about how wives need to submit to their husbands and how husbands need to sacrificially love their wives. And I'm not going to read that entire passage. It talks about children being obedient to their parents. But I wanted you to see that there is a characteristic way of living. It's not optional. It's not, well, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, so, you know, I'm just going to kind of do my best. Well, God made me this way, you know, and I just seem to feel these feelings, and I'm just going to pursue that. No. Christ remade you, or you're not a Christian. The scripture says, Jesus said very clearly, you must be born again, or you're never getting into the kingdom of heaven. If you haven't been born again, if you're still living the way you've always lived, then friend, you ought to question your salvation. And I don't urge people to question their salvation. But see, you have been changed. Your nature is different inside. But if you're still chasing the things that you used to chase, then there's a desperate need for repentance. And that is the case for all of us. So these are some of the things that I've been working on and I've been working out. I didn't just come up with a message today to preach to you. In fact, I didn't know for sure that I was gonna preach this particular message until this morning. Uh, when I uh, got the, uh, the link for the video to send out. So it's about 8.30 this morning. I had about four different messages that I could have preached to you today. But this is what I thought that the Lord wanted me to preach to you because this is what the Lord is preaching to me. This is what the Lord is saying to me. To rise and shine means we need to be very different from the world. We need to be following the Jesus way. We need to be living the kind of life that you just heard described out every single day. We need to quit making excuses because we're not in the flesh anymore. We're in the spirit if indeed we belong to Christ. Check out Romans 8 if you want some uh, data on that, okay? So I would encourage you to allow the Lord to speak to you. I, When the Lord speaks to me, I'm always asking, are you wanting to speak through me to the people? And so that was my assumption today. Verses 19 through 24 are what I assumed the Lord wanted to say to me all this last week. One of the reasons I wanted to get out of town. And I need to pay better attention to that. I need to take off the old self. I need to put on the new self. And so do you. But first, you need to have a new self. And that happens when you call upon the Lord Jesus Christ and are saved. When you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. When you open your heart and you allow his spirit to enter you and to give you the washing of renewal, the rebirth that comes from the water of the word.
then you have a new nature, you have a new self, and you choose to identify with that new self, and you live that out every day. Follow the Jesus way, friends. I want our church to be an example.